Welcome back to the Holler, TNHoller.com. At the TN Holler, Hollers all across Tennessee, and that's thanks to your support. We really do appreciate it. Your small dollar monthly donations keep us going and growing. Shout out to Lisa Parker. If you know anybody buying or selling a house in Middle Tennessee, do it through her. She's very supportive of us. And also, we have another sponsor, Abby Rubenfeld Law Office. She does family law. She's a civil rights lawyer. She does all kinds of stuff, and she's being very supportive of us. You might know her. She's one of the lawyers on the Obergefell case before the Supreme Court. She's awesome. Appreciate that she's getting behind us. Today, I wanted to talk to you about a issue that I think is on the forefront of everyone's mind. A big discussion about the war on public schools. One of the fronts in that war has been the CRT outrage, critical race theory outrage that has been drummed up, especially here in Tennessee. We've been the tip of the spear on a lot of this stuff. They passed an anti-CRT law at the state level. It comes up all the time at the school board level. It's still an issue in these Republican primaries here in Williamson County. Even though they have told us openly that this was manufactured intentionally, it has become a synonym for everything Republicans don't like. They just group it under the CRT banner. We know that. They've told us that. But today we're going to hear from somebody who can give us firsthand knowledge of that because he was a lobbyist that was involved with the privatization effort and has inside knowledge about that. So Charles Seiler, thanks for joining us today. Good to see you. Uh, Thanks, Justin. I appreciate you all bringing me on and having an opportunity to talk to people in Tennessee about what the people pushing this CRT panic are really trying to do. And even though they're like happy to publicly tell everybody that it's fake, like why it's so dangerous. I guess let's start by what was your role? What did you used to do? So I started off in libertarian politics. I just kind of grew up like uh, in a conservative evangelical Christian family that had very strong libertarian beliefs. So I went to a university, George Mason University, studied economics there, which is like a training ground for libertarian like policy folks and things like that. So when I left there, I went to the Goldwater Institute in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And this is the place that developed the modern ESA voucher, the even to Tennessee had passed. These were created as like a shell game, money laundering workaround to get around state constitutions that banned public funding of religious institutions, the separation of church and state, where a lot of school voucher programs were being declared unconstitutional by state Supreme Courts. They were like, we need a new game. We need a new system. So you're saying within the circles that you were in, they were openly saying, we have to game this system with these vouchers. I mean, it's not even like in the circle on that one. They're pretty public about that that they okay. like invented these specifically to like get around the separation of church basically it's called a blaine amendment in state constitutions and the blaine amendment almost every state has or some variation of it prohibits like public funding of religious instruction or institutions public funds so a lot of school voucher programs like obviously large number of private schools that people would spend the vouchers at are religious institutions, that would be a problem, obviously a violation of the state constitution. The way the voucher, a regular voucher would work is the state would say, you pick the school, you send your kid to that private school, and then we send them money. That's the voucher. The problem is then the state is giving taxpayer money to a religious school, violates the amendment. Those are unconstitutional. So then what they said is, how about if we give the state money to the parent, and then the parent gives that money to the religious school, and now the money 
money is like the state isn't giving it to them it's the parent and so that was the like kind of shell game impervious to those same legal challenges what's at the root of that because you know what you're describing is something that we talk about a lot betsy devos was very open on a christian radio station she said she sees her agenda in the public education sphere as trying to advance god's kingdom using public Mm -hmm. education funds betsy devos has been here in tennessee helping governor lee push his vouchers Mm -hmm. not hard to connect the dots it's a privatization effort it's a money grab but it's also religious based and ideological what are they trying to accomplish exactly what do you think is at the root of all this a couple of different things they do kind of build a coalition of people who don't have exactly the same values who are willing to work together to like each kind of achieve their own goals so you have like the betsy devosses the bradleys and the cooks these are like ultra wealthy folks but not just money they control a lot of like resources factories or manufacturing so they have a lot of actual meaningful real world power they're mostly like anti-regulatory they don't want any government interference dilute or impact their ability to make more money to extract more wealth exploit people more and so these people are not just supporting privatization of education they're also doing like anti-labor union work so like right to work stuff they push it anti-minimum wage stuff they also fight ballot initiatives and people that have ballot access to change minimum wage laws those people are looking at we have like a strong economic interest in deregulation. Then you also have like the religious don't share the same like economic interests per se. They want to fight government regulation because they want to hold on to like an extremist view of education, of child raising, and also just like life in general. So these are the people who are fighting like abortion access, gay marriage, who are also fighting privatization of education. They kind of just have different agendas, but they they really meet in this sweet spot of privatizing education because it really serves both of their interests really well. Get rid of a public institution where people are like educated about how to like maybe critically think about the world and might not be so easily exploited when they're like educated by like an industrialist. Also on the other hand, you have like a very conservative community that is worried about their children like learning about the world around them and maybe starting to question some of the beliefs that they encounter at home. Can you connect the dot for me a little more directly between this education fight and deregulation? Yeah, absolutely. So it's hard to deregulate because people love regulations. Like when you really get down to it, I know like there's a lot of like rhetoric around red tape and bureaucracy and stuff and governments are imperfect and there's plenty to criticize, but people like having clean drinking water. People like knowing that like the food that they eat has like some like base level of safety to it and the drugs that we take. If you're like running a purely profit making operation and you don't care about those kinds of things, then the regulations and like government power really is like the strongest thing like standing in your way from being able to make money as easily as possible. Like if you can just dump pollutants right into the river, like you don't have to pay for cleanup. Yeah, like it's cheaper. You make more money faster. So those people are really against collective power to like stand up to their concentrated power as well. So that's where the deregulation comes in. And so when people have good experiences with public institutions and government, then it's hard to tell them that government and public institutions are are bad for them. That's such an abstract, I get it. And I fully believe that that's exactly right, that that is what they're thinking. But it's like such an abstract way of 
viewing this situation? Oh, if we have a good experience with public education, then that means that we're going to be pro-regulation. Is there any evidence to back that up? Yeah, they've talked about it publicly. Milton Friedman is one of the fathers of kind of libertarian thought in the United States. Uh, talked a lot about like social security and like how hard it is to get people to feel like social security is a bad thing. It supports so many people and as like retirement benefits and things like diminish, they knew that they couldn't attack social security because people have good experiences with it. And so it's hard to get people to view big government as bad when big government does positive things for them in a real meaningful way. Exactly. That right there is the root of everything. It's the root of why they're so mad Democrats might actually pass a bill that addresses climate change and lowers drug mm-hmm. prices. Right. Anytime we show that government can help people, that hurts their cause. Exactly. Because their cause is attacking government, vilifying government. It's like Reagan said, you know, the scariest words are, you know, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Doesn't mean we have to think that government is flawless and right. for big government, but we have to understand that the attack on government is coming from a greedy, ideologically driven place. And so you were at the core of that. I guess tell me a little bit about your evolution. Like what made you change your mind on what you were doing? shortest way I can say is like, I really believe getting the government out of people's way so they can do what they want was the best way. And like I said, I still think that government, like there's plenty to criticize, but when I started actually working and like helping pass like these libertarian, like anti-government, anti-collective power policies, I actually also paid attention to the outcomes. Like I was an economist by education. So I wanted to see like, hey, can we track how these people are doing? Are they better off? Are they worse off? If your goal is sincere of about improving people's lives, then you want to measure the impact of things that you're doing so that one, you can like brag about it and say, hey, look, like you all criticized us, but we fucking made things better, right? You know, two things kind of happened. One, when there was like data, like it showed the opposite. Like people were like materially worse off from like the policies that we enacted. Work that I did with Governor Sam Brownback in Kansas, there's a lot written about the Kansas experiment that he did and what an epic failure it was. Is that where they had to go to a four day school week? They did a lot of things. They had to shut down a ton of government. Like so many services were shuttered. People were so like devastated by like the destruction of public services there that it went from a solid Republican state, like at the government level, state government level to like immediately flipping away from all of that and they're kind of edging back to it now unfortunately it's like short-term memory for politics affects a lot of people the other piece was that i would point out that we don't have good data about a lot of programs and we could just write in requirements for like school vouchers like hey why don't we like mandate like testing and like we get the results and see how the kids are doing measure their progress i mean we're paying for it it's public funds we should know is this working is this not working and so the people that i worked with would be like, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, maybe we should do that. (laughs) Then they would never ever do it and it would be so easy we could like i wrote bills like you could write one line we had all the lobbyists we had all the politicians in our pockets like we could have passed it no problem but they didn't want to that's not what they're there for they don't care whether the kids are better off they don't care whether they're worse off they only care that the money is coming out of the schools that is what like changed me they weren't living up to the rhetoric and like the like ideals that i thought we were like there to to advance i think if you have any sense sincerity, degree of like integrity, you have to look at it and you can't continue to do that work. Then when you started to have doubts, 
were there people that you could talk to about that or were you sort of shunned? Were you nervous about expressing that to anybody? No, actually it was like weirdly, like the work environment in those places was like incredible. Like it's, those are some of the best places I've ever worked. Like well-paid, great vacation, like good benefits, but like you were empowered to like manage projects. Like really No, no, cool. I'm not talking about that because that's, yeah. see, that all seems like reasons to, it's like their loyalty was being bought in that way. Like very clearly all of the people that are on this page here mm -hmm. are well compensated and mm -hmm. like their jobs. It yeah. almost feels like that's why rocking the boat, if you, if you rock the boat, you, they'll be like, yeah, yeah, don't do that. Like, I'm just mm -hmm. wondering if there were people who kind of knew better, but didn't want to say anything. Yeah, so, like, at the time, honestly, like, like a critique of myself is, like, I had, like, some blinders to things and, like, didn't always recognize how sincere a person may or may not be about a thing. I never felt uncomfortable. Like, I talked to folks about questions and stuff, and we would, like kind of like a back and forth about, okay, like, how do we work on this? And, but, but like at the end of the day, like everybody was friendly about it, but nobody ever actually wanted to address any of it. It was like a process for me of like, oh shit, like they're saying they want to like address this, but there's nothing really being done. And, and it's not because they didn't have like opportunity. The only reason it didn't get done is because they didn't have the interest or the desire. And so that for me, eventually I had to like confront the reality of like, the only reason that that is, is because fixing this or addressing this issue is because it doesn't serve their real goal. And so that's when I had to realize their real goals aren't what they say they are. Then I had to like go through a whole process of like, in investigating that you know and, and interrogating those questions the thing that surprised me a little to hear is that they didn't just go well let's just manipulate the data because that's what seems like happens here in tennessee they'll look for whatever suits their own needs frankly i think a lot of the time it seems like they're instituting policies to try to go get a piece of data that they can then use to institute another policy that will fit their own needs so you know i'm a little surprised that they shrugged it off as opposed to just being like, no, we'll just cherry pick. One thing that is interesting is like, they have a lot of research, even in the school choice spectrum that where they publish like their own studies. And if you go and like read their studies and then look at the stuff that they cite, they are cherry picking the overall premises that like these kids are worse off from their own research. So yeah, they cherry pick. The reality of politics like this is, is kind of two pronged. One, the average voter, they're busy and like they're getting busier because like of inflation and shit. They're trying to get their kids through school. They're trying to get like to act activities they maybe have responsibilities for a parent or something and so like it's hard to pay attention to like oh this random think tank produced a study about vouchers and they said it did this great thing if they hear anything at all they're just going to hear the the piece that's being promoted cherry-picked data the other piece is that these groups they have cozy relationships with all of the lawmakers through the donations that get made by like betsy devos donates shit tons of money and so then when her lobbyists go to talk to a politician he knows like where his bread is buttered the impact that someone can have on these lawmakers is like really diminished compared to the power that these organized lobbyists have one time governor lee was at a town hall 
in a rural part of the state before we kind of started being the holler and they felt a lot more comfortable in these town halls and they still kind of do and a woman stood up and she said you know i don't have kids in the public school system i shouldn't have to pay for public schools and that's really what they think they don't want to pay taxes to things they're not using which is really ultimately the disintegration of our entire country and system and governor lee basically agreed yeah, and, and so what I would ask you is, you know, what do you think their end goal is for public education specifically? It's to get rid of public education, not just like public schools, but also public funding. So even the voucher program, at the end, they would go away too because, like, you still have to get taxed to pay for that. Ideal model for them: people individually value education, so they individually pay for it in a free market. So, like, you show how important education is to you by how hard you you work to pay for it. All the like college uh, loan debt crisis that we have, like they want to do that for K-12. You want to send your kid to the best kindergarten? Well, you better start taking out student loans. For that's your happening here. That's happening. Yeah, so, so that's their vision for the future is anti-equity. And like, I know that equity has become a buzzword, but really anything that addresses the fact, the reality that like, you might just be born into a family that doesn't have access to the same resources as another family. And is that your fault? You know, you might be born with some kind of like developmental disability or something. And like, should you suffer because of that? Like to them, yeah. If you're not providing value to society and, and demonstrating that value through profit, you're worthless because to them, <laughs> profit is a reflection of your value to society. Right. The prosperity gospel. You keep mm -hmm. saying they say work for libertarians. The name that always comes to mind when I hear that is the Cokes. And I know they have a presence here. How deep are the Coke tentacles in all of this and in Tennessee, do you think? They're kind of shorthand for like this like universe of conservative libertarian, like wealthy funders, Bradley Foundation. Betsy DeVos is just as wrapped up with them and probably 20 plus like big names. I can't say all of them because I have NDAs. So, but to your question is, yeah, it's super deep. Look, if you're a regular person trying to like change policy and stand up for public schools, like nobody's paying you to do that. You're volunteering. You're spending your time. You can only invest so much energy into that. Yeah. And you're going to burn out. And it's not your fault. These other folks like that work at AFP and work for American Federation for Children, like they're getting paid to full-time focus on this. They don't get burned out. They get to right. go home to their kids. They get to take a month of vacation every year. And they build relationships with the lawmakers. They learn the processes. They learn the system so that they know like this bill died here. Well, I can put this amendment on this thing and work it through a different channel so it's right. not really dead and they can resurrect stuff and you might never know that if you're just like constantly turning over all these volunteers who are getting burned out so it's a combination of one how much funding they have so they have resources that are really everywhere so they can keep people from burning out by like paying them to professionally focus on this task there's no better investment for a wealthy corporation than a politician both sides but it's especially republican politicians let's be clear about that on the democratic side the things that they're fighting for are often often things that are going to hurt wealthy people. So you're dependent on billionaires' philanthropy as opposed to billionaires investing. That's a big imbalance. You know, when billionaires are investing because they know they're going to get a return, there's an endless amount of money. And we've already seen how useful that is. And the ROI is very high as mm -hmm. opposed to when they're investing because they know it's the right thing to do. At that point, there's probably some, some limits to what they're willing to do. And, you know, it becomes about can working people get it together enough to swing the pendulum back? Right. Just to bring it back to where we are, what role do you think CRT has played in all of this? 
So CRT is like just the new word. I wrote about it recently in The Economist. I mean, how far back this stuff goes probably goes back even further than the United States existing. People are always going to push back against progress. Parents have complained about their kids learning about evolution, complained about their kids having to go to school with black kids, learning about like sexual health and, and reproductive health, social emotional learning, equity programs and diversity. CRT is just the current boogeyman. It's not even really that effective for them. It, it makes a lot of noise and like they can pass all kinds of legislation. Like they passed the CRT ban here. It's going to be really detrimental to teaching history and other classes, like just at a base level. So they're really damaging, but like they don't even help that side achieve its goals that well. Like there's been a number of school board races where they pushed like really hardline candidates and stuff on this CRT stuff. And they get beat even in really radical areas like New Hampshire is like a hotbed of libertarians. Here there's too, a- Williamson County Moms for Liberty candidates that were running as Republicans got beat in their primaries. There are mm-hmm. still a couple left running independent though mm-hmm. and the challenge is making sure people know who they are. Relative to what they're pouring into it, they're losing big. People hate Congress, but they love their congressmen. Like people think public education is really messed up, but they love their specific public school and they're like, they want their kids to have a great public school. So they might vote for a legislator or a governor who like is anti-public school, but when it comes to their neighborhood, like they don't want that in their neighborhood. It really is about connecting these dots for people in a meaningful way where like, look, the damage that you're trying to prevent in your community, you're also kind of empowering those people at the state level. And that is hard sometimes to connect the dots because there's so many different pieces that people think about when they're voting in a two-party system. What role do you think race plays in this? A lot. I mean, the whole modern voucher movement and school privatization movement is born absolutely out of Brown v. Board of Education and the mandatory integration of public school. White parents did not want to pay for their kids to go to school with black kids and pay to like adequately educate black children. That makes you uncomfortable. That's just reality. If your grandparents threw rocks at black kids trying to go to high school, man, you you just have to confront that. I do too. Like my family, like I'm descended from slave owners and like my family went to schools that weren't integrated until the 19, late 70s, like just before the 80s in Mississippi. You don't have to feel guilty about, but if you just want to ignore and pretend aren't real, then that's more of a problem. School vouchers were born as a way to get white kids out of schools and send them to schools where black students couldn't go. Private schools are always allowed to discriminate and still to this day they can discriminate on religion they can discriminate on your like sexual orientation your gender presentation and even if the law says that they can't discriminate on those things they figure out other substitute discriminations like whether it's like textbook fees or like school uniforms or like grooming standards some other thing that like isn't technically like discrimination for race I mean we have a ton of segregation academies that exist in the south to this day that are a direct result of, of school privatization counties in Virginia that closed their entire school systems because they didn't want to pay for schools that black kids would go to, sent white kids to private schools instead. So the modern voucher movement, they try to hide that and they're ashamed of that connection, but they still lean into it when they talk about like, this is CRT and it's all because they want to make white kids feel guilty. They're like inflaming racist socialization to like try to advance a, a policy aim. So they're happy to lean into the racism when it suits them and they really want to cover up the past, how it's 
all built on like furthering racism. Well, I appreciate that you're out here fighting the good fight now. As a last thing before I let you go, what would you say to somebody doing the work you used to do and maybe having some questions about it now? It's hard. As you said, man, the job is great. Like it's it's easy. You make a lot of money and it can feel rewarding until you really take a look at yourself. If you're sincere at all, like take a look at what people aren't willing to do and ask why are they not willing to do these things? What's driving that hesitancy or that refusal to address like very clear problems in the systems that you're trying to make better? From there, like really understand the motives of the people paying you and decide if that's something that you want to keep pushing. I decided I couldn't do that. And now I work every day to try to stop them across the country. And fortunately, we can be effective. And yeah, the pay's not as great, man. So if you're thinking about coming over to the side, you just got to prep for that. Well, I appreciate it. I think conversion stories are really important. They build bridges for other people to have similar epiphanies. So thanks for what you're doing. Stay in touch for sure. And you know, anytime you have articles that you write or things you think people in Tennessee need to know, please send them our way so we can holler them out there. All right. Hey, Justin, I love what you're doing. Like you guys are doing great work in a state that is super critical. Like Tennessee is a big state driving policy. I mean, Arizona and Florida and Texas are like the crazy extremes. Tennessee is where it starts to show that it's kind of mainstreaming. One of the great things is like seeing the reaction to the Hillsdale president, like calling teachers dumb. Like they really think teachers are the stupidest people. They have really arrogant views about this stuff. So seeing how people in Tennessee are reacting to that and pushing back, that's great and really inspiring. The work that you're doing to educate people is very critical. So thank you for all that you all do there. Thank you. I appreciate that, Charles. Stay in touch. All right. All right. You'll have a great one. Take care. So that's Charles Seiler. I wanted to talk to him because I saw his article about the role that he used to play as a lobbyist in fomenting some of the outrage. I think it's really important to hear from voices like that. Really appreciate that he's willing to tell the truth about what's happening in the privatization circles. Privatization of our schools is what we're seeing at every level. Vouchers, charters, CRT, books, librarians. It's all about dismantling public schools, a war on our public schools. And he just told you their goal is no public school anymore. Dismantling it. Funded by right-wing billionaires call themselves libertarians what libertarian really means is they don't like taxes so they can keep more of their money so it's greed it's religious ideology it's a lot of things but what it isn't is about our kids and so if you care about our kids we need to fight against this stuff and one way you do that is by showing up here and i appreciate it the word choice a euphemism for privatization so when governor lee stands there and says there's a lot of people who are against choice against choice 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 what they mean is privatization as charles was just telling you and i think that's the fundamental point here school choice movement is the school privatization movement. I am not against private schools, but don't dismantle public schools to do it. And that's what we're talking about here. They want to steer public dollars to private religious schools to fuel their ideology, cling to power. Hillsdale is a prime example of it. This is the front lines right now. Tennessee. Tennessee. Tennessee.